Let's do this. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Acts chapter 9. Are you ready? Not too bad. Not too bad. There's different pockets of enthusiasm in the room. The series that we are in is called The Spirit-Filled Church. That's right. So we basically have two big questions, right? Where our two big questions are what we want to learn what it meant. No, it's all right. Are we good? Hit the deck. We need a we need a very specific code for how to respond. Like, red alert, hit the deck. I wasn't sure. Like, we need to add this into our policy manual. Um, uh, Anyhow, two questions, right? One of them is we want to learn what it meant so we can... Very good. Everybody say, live what it means. means. So we can't be satisfied just going, oh, interesting. That's what it meant. Hmm. That's not the intent. The intent of Scripture is to inform so as to transform. Right? Very good. All right. So, and we also remember that what we see in these principles, uh, we, we don't want to leave them like, oh, yeah, that's what, like, that's what that kind of thing is like. But the principles that we see here apply to our own hearts and our own home as well. So let's take a look and see what we can learn and then how we can live today. Let's go to Acts chapter 9. We're going to go through the first 31 verses. Now, I will say this again. I'll probably say it every service. Um, I'm a little bit disappointed in some of you. I'll explain. Here's some of you that know me well enough. Uh, I'm not getting enough attention for covering so much ground at one time. <laughs> and so, and so to teach you a lesson, I'm probably going to do it next time. We'll probably just do verse 31 again. I'm just going to we. Yep, we're going to do one verse maybe next time. But no, just kidding. Uh, we are moving at a, at a pretty good clip. Uh, remember in, in Matthew. Uh, I think Faith thought she was going to actually be a grandma before we finished the book, because we call her Grandma Faith. Anyway, Acts chapter 9, verse 31 verses. Are you ready? Now, I'm going to try to read it without interrupting myself too much, but there's a couple of times I need to. Ready? Let's begin. I'm reading from the New Living Version. Meanwhile. Okay. Why does it say Meanwhile. Because... Uh, what we have is in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, we start with Saul of Tarsus launches a great persecution against the church. You remember that, Acts 8, 1? A great, pers- a great wave of persecution that led to a great scattering of people. And so then Luke tells us about the results of that, that persecution and the scattering, but he highlights, he highlights Philip's ministry. Because he has an agenda. He has a story to tell about the expansion of the gospel. And it follows Acts 1-8, right? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. And so he highlights, so this, he said, so Saul begins this great, this great wave of persecution. And then he gives some examples of, oh yeah, but then they spread out. And Philip goes to Samaria. And then we have the Ethiopian eunuch. But meanwhile, someone say, but meanwhile. In other words, Acts chapter 9 does not necessarily happen sequentially in a timeline after 8. It's happening in the meanwhile. So Paul, or Saul, ooh, I don't want to give it away who this guy is. Okay, spoiler alert. Okay, so Saul, whoever he is, Saul is still engaging in this persecution. So, so now, we're, now we're snapped back to Jerusalem, and, it's, and he's, meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to 
kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogue in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way he found there. He wanted to, by the way, by the way, in referring to the way, uh, this is uh, the, one of the earliest uh, identifications of those who are following Jesus. They called themselves the way. We'll talk about that more in a minute, but just in case you wondered, followers of the way. He wanted to find any followers of the way. He wanted to bring them back, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. The reader should read that with a sense of shock and horror. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul. That's really important. Would you say that out loud with me? Saul, Saul. I'll tell you why that's important in a minute. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus. Oh, man. Oh, man. I am. Start, he starts off with I am. Ego I me in the Greek. It's, it's literally the Greek version of what God said in the bush to Moses. Amen. Who are you? I am. <laughs> okay. I am. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now, get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but they saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand into Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. Now, this is not the Ananias who he did. Remember, I told you we were going to redeem this name eventually. This is good guy, Ananias. So now we can all name our sons Ananias without worrying they're going to... Okay. But still, Sapphira, I would avoid it. Anyway, uh, the, the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go. Go over to straight street to the house of judas when you get there ask for a man from tarsus named saul he is praying to me right now this is this is real time i have shown him in a vision that a man named ananias is coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again but lord exclaimed ananias i've heard many terrible i've heard i've heard, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in jerusalem and he's authorized by the leader leading priest to arrest everyone who calls on your name but the lord said go for saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the gentiles and to kings as well to the people of israel really good that's fine new living said it well but a slightly more literal has a, a little bit more of a literary and poetic uh, feel to it. Here's, what, here's how that should probably read. But Lord, he's authorized to arrest everyone who calls on your name. But the Lord said, go, for he's my chosen instrument to carry my name. That's good. We'll talk about that in a minute. So Ananias went. 
and found Saul, he laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, then he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized. After, he ate some food and regained his strength. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogues, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. And all who heard him were amazed. Isn't this that feller, they said? Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them? Didn't he used to be very different than he is now? What happened? Jesus happened. Didn't this guy used to be very different? Yes, get used to it. That's what Jesus does. Not even in the notes, but it's worth saying. Saul's preaching became more and more powerful, and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. They were watching him. They were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. Saul was told about their plot, so during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. Then when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had become a believer. Then Barnabas, hey, hail the conquering hero. Barney's back. Here's Barney again. What's he doing? More good stuff. This is what he just keeps. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus in Damascus. So here's Barney stretching out his hands, grabbing Saul, risking his reputation, risking a whole lot, mortgaging his future because of hope. Because he believed in somebody. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all and went all around Jerusalem with them, proclaiming boldly in the name of the Lord, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some of the Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. Yeah. Now you, you remember who these people are—the Greek-speaking Jews in Jerusalem. These are the ones that stoned Stephen. These are the ones that Paul was sort of their leader. He was he was holding their coats while they were. So he was, he's one of them, and now they want to kill him. When the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. The church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria, and he became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord, and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it also grew in numbers. In the Spirit-filled church, our conversion is a commission. Our conversion is a commission. Want to say it out loud with me once? Our conversion is a commission. Meaning we are not just saved to be, we are saved to do. It has always been this way since our master first said these words, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 
To know Jesus is to follow Jesus, is to serve Jesus. In, in the Spirit-filled church, no one is in the arena. Everyone is on the field. In the Spirit-filled church, there are no spectators. There are only soldiers. This is what I, a principle that I think we can see from this passage, or at least it's something, this idea that we are, that our conversion is a commission. We see this occurring and the results of it in this passage. First of all, our conversion. Uh, we, this, is a, this is a familiar passage, the, uh, Saul of Tarsus on the Damascus Road. The Damascus Road is something, even that phrase has, has entered into popular thought, cultural literature. Most Many people, if you say the a Damascus Road experience, they think, oh, you mean something happened to me that changed my mind about something. Well, it's more powerful than that. Luke wants us to feel the significance of who this Saul is and just how dramatic and how significant his, his conversion is. It, uh, Saul before, he tells us that, the, that, that Saul is breathing threats and murder. The, the New Living says he's eager to kill the Lord's followers. Now again, he's not just, he's not this, we should not read this and think, well, He's a, just some sort of a serial killer. No, no, no. It's not some sort of a criminal campaign. Saul believes in the belly of his person that he's doing the right thing. He believes he's protecting God's people from this, this sect, this dangerous sect that's going to infect and poison them. So he gets letters of authorization to pursue the followers of the way. Right away, I want us to say it again, the way. The way. What, this is the earliest uh, nomenclature for Christianity, the way. Not, not the chill. Not the hangout. See, there's, a, there's the way. This means the way of salvation or the way of life. In other words, the way is not just a decision. It is a direction. Because our conversion is a commission. So while Saul is on the Damascus Road, a light shone down from heaven. We need to understand Luke's love for Old Testament uh, pictures and, and narratives. We need to embrace this fully that Luke is trying to tell the reader that Saul of Tarsus encounters the light of the very glory of God. And it is so substantial, it knocks him to the ground. Whether he's physically overwhelmed or he gets under the glory, I don't care. Maybe a little bit of both. But he is down. He, he sees a light and then hears a voice. And the voice says to him, what? That's, he said it twice. Everybody say it with me. Saul, Saul. Saul, Saul. This is so important because this is paradigmatic of Yahweh. Yeah. This, in other words, this is, this is how Yahweh talks to people. This is when the Lord called Abraham. You remember? What did he say to Abraham? He said, Abraham. When the Lord called Jacob, he said, And when he called Moses from the burning bush, what did he say? So who is talking to Saul? We're talking that God, very God, is speaking to him. And he looks up and he says, And the voice says, Why are you persecuting me? He says, Who are you? Then ego ami. I am Jesus. The one you are persecuting. Powerful implications there. Implications of warning and of blessing. What does that mean? That means what we do to his, we are doing to him. Yeah. 
What we do to his, we are doing to him. Some warning there. Maybe we ought to be slightly more careful how we treat those who are his. What we say, how we treat, what we do, he, what we do to his, we do to him. Ah, but there's wonderful promise, wonderful hope there, that the kindness that we extend, the generosity that we extend, the loving kindness that we extend to his, we are also extending to him. And that should motivate how we treat one another. Ah, whether you know someone or you don't. You give some, you treat some people. We, we live as Jesus for Jesus. We treat people as if they were him. Oh, I don't mean falling down and foaming at the mouth like I would. I mean, but with love and respect and honor. You say, well, they didn't earn it. Oh, we're doing it because they're his. That's good enough to be happy about already. I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Conversation over, he says, now get up. <laughs> if you know your Old Testament, that's also what God says to people. <laughs> Joshua flashing around on the sand, throwing, what are you against this? Get up, he said. <laughs> now get up and you'll be told what you must do. Saul's conversion is really more of a confrontation that's followed by a command. There is no gap between surrender and obedience. To call him Lord is to do what he says. Because our conversion is a commission. Paul remains blind for three days. And he, and he fasts. But meanwhile the commission continues. Because uh, this, in verse 10. <clears throat> there is a disciple. In Damascus. Named Ananias. And the Lord speaks to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, go. Go, to, go over to Straight Street, ask for Saul. He's praying. He's had a vision of you to come lay hands on him. Note, by the way, quick timeout, quick little information meeting here. This is how directional prophecy works. We all leaning into this? So Ananias is coming to give some specific instruction to Saul. It's going, to be, it's going to give direction. But it wasn't a surprise. Directional, if someone's going to have a word that involves direction for your life, more often than not, almost it, it should, I will say, it should, absolutely, it should be a confirmation. It should be something that the Lord is already speaking to your heart. And if someone comes along and says something that's directional, it should harmonize, it should agree with, it should confirm something in your own heart that the Lord has already put there. If, a, if someone comes to you and says, you know, God spoke to me and uh, you're supposed to write me a check for $5,000 and you, you didn't hear that first, two things you should do. File it, maybe wait, just see if the Lord speaks to you later or put it in the round file. File it somewhere. Are you feeling me that it's really important as uh, people, and, and, I, and we believe the Holy Spirit speaks to us and through us, but we do so with manners and with honor. So nobody gets to come up to you and say, by the way, God told me uh, <laughs> you're supposed to give me your car or you're supposed to marry me or whatever else. I mean, uh, you, you should do this. If, it, if it, That's not, that's manipulation. Well, that's witchcraft. notes uh so he says so the lord says go and what is what is old what does annie say ananias what's he say 
He says, Lord, don't you know? You know, Lord, I've heard some stuff. Lord, I've heard about this guy. And the Lord, you know what? The Lord was not that interested in what he had heard about somebody. I, I don't think he is. I don't think he's much interested in what you heard about somebody else. Well, you know what I heard, Lord? I hadn't noticed. He doesn't, he doesn't even entertain the conversation. He says, but Lord, are you sure? And what does the Lord say again? Go. As a matter of fact, it's interesting to hear the Lord speak in the book of Acts. Whenever heaven speaks to a disciple in the book of Acts, almost, with, almost, almost without exception, there's a go. An angel speaks to Peter while he's in prison in Acts chapter 5, lets him out, and he says, go. Go speak the words of this lie. Philip has left Samaria, and an angel tells him, go. Go down that road. Then the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip and says, go walk alongside that chariot. Then Jesus says to Saul, go. Go into town and wait. He says to Ananias, go. Ananias questions him, and he says it again, go. Go pray for this person. Go walk alongside that carriage. Go down that street. Go. Go to the temple and preach. All of these different goes. Every believer has a, the word go. Every disciple of Jesus Christ has a go. You, the Lord has a go for you. It may not, I can say, it, it probably won't be anywhere close to the same as someone next to you. Not that we don't sometimes work together. But you have a go. You have something the Lord is telling you to do because your conversion is a commission. You were not saved just to enjoy being saved. I mean, you should enjoy being saved. But your conversion is a commission. And there is no retirement. Well, there is. But if you're still breathing, you're not retired. You have a go. This is, how our, this is how the church functions and thrives when believers hear and respond to the go from heaven. There's a whole lot of go that's, I think, there's a, I think there's a whole lot of go that's been given that hasn't been responded to. This is not to invoke, invoke shame. It's just that if you, if, you, if, you, if you say, I wish the Lord would speak to me. If he, if he said go and you're still talking to him about something else, he's just going to keep saying go <laughs> until you go. He is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles. And I said, He's going to arrest all who call on your name. And the Lord said, no, he's going to carry my name. I love that. I love the irony for Saul. But I also love it that this is the same for us, that all who call on his name carry his name. If you call on his name, you become a carrier of his name. You carry the name. Your conversion is a commission. 
So Ananias goes to Saul, verse 17, and he comes to him and he says, Brother Saul, <laughs> right away calls him brother. Amazing. Isn't the love of Jesus something wonderful? This is a guy who he knew was out to kill everybody, but the first thing he says is, Brother Saul. Well, that's why Paul says we no longer view people from the outside, from the way they used to be. Once they, when a person is in Christ, we, we don't even see anybody the way we used to. We see everybody as either in Christ or they should be. Brother Saul, he says, the Lord, ah, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you has sent me. The same Jesus who saved you sent me. Amazing. I'm always amazed that to understand that, this, that, that I can cross. I, you know, I, I told you I was in Indianapolis this week with people. I don't even know that thousands of people I've never met. But in a moment, we're huddled at an altar, arm in arm, praying together, calling on the name of the Lord together, spending time afterwards, hugging and high-fiving and talking about stuff. I don't know these people. <laughs> but we both know the same yes. Jesus. And it's fascinating to me that someone that I don't know, that I'm not connected to, they have a different church culture, they have a different everything, but, but they talk about this Jesus. They know the same one that I know. That's amazing. And Ananias says, Jesus sent me, and he says two things, so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Spirit. Ooh, that's right. That's specifically awesome for Ananias. Because who is Ananias? He's an accountant. He was at Saturday service. That's right. Phil owned an auto body shop, but Ananias is an accountant who lives in Damascus. Ananias is just Ananias the accountant. But who is this guy? But the, he says, well, the Lord sent me. I'm going to lay my hands on you, and you're going to receive your sight and be filled with the Spirit. Well, I thought only apostles did that. Apparently, if you call on his name, you carry his name. And it's so great because regained sight is, I mean, it's an actual healing. Like you are blind and now you're not going to be, you're going to receive your sight. But, but there's a, it's a real miracle, but there's a, it's a, it's a, it's a parable. It's a paradigm. It's a, it's a picture of something larger. Here's the picture because Paul, Saul, Paul, Later, oh, I said it again. Paul says it later in Acts chapter 26. And when, he's, when he describes the Lord sending him, he says, this is what the Lord sent me to do. He said, the Lord said, I am sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes. To turn them from darkness to light. And from the power of Satan to God. All of that is included in this picture of you're going to regain your sight. I've sent you here to lay my hands on you so that you'll regain your sight, so you'll see the truth. You'll be delivered from darkness. You'll turn to light. Wow. Any, Ananias! Anybody who calls on his name carries his name. And so that you'll be filled with the Spirit. Just Ananias the accountant laying hands on somebody and they receive the gift of the Spirit. And if, Anani- if that's true for Ananias, it's true for you. It's, it's specifically awesome for Ananias, and it's the same awesome for you and for me because our conversion is a commission. So then Saul 
is then baptized in water, and then he eats. Now that is pretty good church. He's healed, he feels, he baptized, and then he eats. And that's the four square church. Or at least I think it is. Healed, filled, baptized, eat. That's a good church program. Hallelujah. Well, then Saul immediately, he, can, he just goes to work. Why? Because our conversion is a commission. And he immediately begins preaching that Jesus, in, the, in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. And they say, isn't this the guy who used to be very different? Didn't he used to do everything different? He is not the way he used to be. That's right, because Jesus happened. Yeah. Our conversion is this commission. And, Saul, and then Saul's preaching becomes more and more powerful. Smith Wigglesworth told us that increase comes by action. Paul will later write, fan into flame the gift of God. They, and then they, they, they could not refute him any longer, so they decided to kill him. My, how the turns have tabled. But the believers get together and rescue him. Now, I know what you're thinking, probably, and you're somewhere in your mind, well, like you're saying, well, yeah, they, of course they did. Consider who he is. He's just Saul of Tarsus. He's just a trouble-making guy who just recently got saved. And yet they, they put their lives at risk to serve him. Why? Because what we do to his, we do to him. Look at how many people are involved. We have, we have Saul, the people that were with him, walked with him. They're not sure what's going on, but now we, we recruit Ananias. And now we've got a bunch of believers in Damascus all working together because this is our commission. So they, they rescue him. They lower him out of a basket. Kind of a cool story there, kind of some Old Testament motif there. But uh, Saul arrives in Jerusalem, and then now they're afraid of him. And they want to keep their distance from him. But once again, here's our buddy Barney who brings Saul to them, and he vouches for Saul, and he puts his own reputation on the line. And he, and he says, hey, this is what happened to him. This is his testimony. The Lord spoke to him. And, man, he's, he's, he's been declaring the lordship of Jesus. And, man, they tried to kill him, but now they brought him here. And so he actually as a go-between, as a bridge. He works with Saul and now with the apostles to move things forward. Now, how many people are involved in this story? More and more of them. Why? Because our conversion is a commission. So Saul stays with the apostles, but he starts preaching again. Why? Because all who call on his name carry his name. And what's the response once he starts preaching? Attempted murder. And then these believers in Jerusalem, they begin to work together to rescue Saul again. Now again, we might say, well, yeah, of course they did. This makes perfect sense. After all, he was the Apostle Paul. Spoiler alert. Saul of Tarsus becomes the Apostle Paul later. One commentator, I read this sentence, and it took me back, and I thought, at first I thought, what? Because I was, you know, what? Then I thought about it. I thought, okay, let's see where, I'll, I'll, let's, I'll let it ride. There's something that these people could not have known. Their motivation was true and loving and unto Christ. 
They could not have known who this was. Now, in hindsight, here's the, here's the sentence that shocked me. The sentence was, outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the conversion of Saul, and, of, Saul of Tarsus is, 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 has had the greatest impact on the world. Well, that's true. Western civilization as we know it, Paul's ministry and epistles have shaken and shaped the world. I don't want to say, well, if these people wouldn't have done this, then this wouldn't have happened because I think God is really big and really creative and really redemptive. But it is worth it to say, think about all the people that worked together unto Jesus simply because they knew that their conversion was a commission to put their future their reputation and even their lives at stake to serve and to care for another believer because of this because of the call of Jesus the Damascus believers couldn't have known Barnabas couldn't have known the Jerusalem believers couldn't have known all they know all they could have known is what it really means to follow Jesus. And that we do everything in that name for that name. Now the epilogue is verse 31. After Paul is escorted out, quietly sent back home, we'll, we'll find him again later. The chapter, this section in chapter 9 begins with a storm. It begins with a storm, with threats, and with murder. And it, and it resolves like this. The church had peace. The church became stronger. The church lived in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit and grew in numbers. Now those are great characteristics for us to recognize and embrace. And, and there's a few commentators along history that say, yep, all of that happened because they finally got rid of Saul. I say, no, all of that happened because the church was the church. Because from the least known to the most known, individuals and groups worked together, obeying Jesus, living our commission. Because all who call on his name carry that name. And our conversion is a commission. And that's what it means to be the Spirit-filled church. Can we stand together? I want to challenge you this morning to a, a, just a fresh place of consecration. Is there anybody in the room that will say yes to heaven's go. All of you have a go. All of you do. If you've called on his name, you carry his name. And his go might mean might be go down that road. It may be go next to that person. It very well may be go see Pastor Jess and help minister to kids. It may be go to your neighbor go to your family member it may mean go ask for forgiveness but there's a go 
The church will thrive as we consecrate ourselves to responding fervently, eagerly to his go. Anybody in here call on the name of Jesus? Has anybody in here called on the name of Jesus? If you haven't called on his name, you should. As Pastor Young will caution us, if you are not a Christian, you should be. Call on his name. If you need healing, call on his name. If you need forgiveness of your sin, if you are lost, if you are undone, if you are away from God this morning, wherever you are, in the room or watching online, call on the name of Jesus. You don't need a Damascus robe. You don't need a light to shine from heaven. You have this word, this voice today. Jesus Christ is calling you to surrender your life to him. Call on the name of Jesus. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. I believe that you are the Son of God. Save me. Save me from my sin. Save me from judgment. Save me from the life that I've been living. I want to follow you. Once again, I'll say it. Has anybody in this room called on his name? If you've called on his name, are you willing to carry his name? Is anybody here willing to carry the name of Jesus? Is there anybody here willing to carry the name of Jesus? To respond to heaven's goal? It doesn't matter where you are, who you are, where you've been, your history. will. As, look at as soon as Saul got knocked on the ground, the next thing God said was go. There is no gap between our surrender to Jesus and our obedience to him. Anybody, anybody willing to say yes to Jesus? Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. We live Thank you that you love us, that you called us, that you saved us. Thank you that you saved us. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being able to call on your name. And now, Lord, thank you for the tremendous privilege of being able to carry your name. 
Give us the confidence, the readiness to carry the name of Jesus, to respond quickly, earnestly, honestly to the go from heaven. Wherever that go takes us this week, in the mighty name of Jesus, we give you thanks. Somebody said amen. 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 The Lord bless you. Be kind to someone on the way out. Find your kiddos. They're looking for you. God bless you.